Welcome back. The Dakota County Board of Supervisors meets on Tuesday. The agenda will include some of the issues we've come to expect. Audit reports, local water board appointments, that sort of thing. But in closed session, also this, the Lords of Bakersfield. That's the 1980s legend about local men of prominence who preyed on teen boys, resulting on several occasions in homicide. 17's Robert Price has been following this story for decades and files this report. Mr. Real, who says he worked as a gay prostitute from the age of 11, identified these Lords of Bakersfield like this in an exclusive interview with 17 uh, News. Well, pretty, you know, highfalutin uh, politicians in Bakersfield. Um, you know, there were superior court judges, uh, wealthy business people protected by district attorneys and law enforcement type people. Um, a lot of highfalutin people involved. Among Mistrial's claims, the now-defunct San Felipe Boys' Home in Bakersfield, associated with Catholic Charities, allowed men to take court-supervised juveniles from the Boys' Home, claiming they wanted to hire them, but instead sexually abuse them. One of those men with special access to the residents of San Felipe Boys' Home, according to Mistrial, was a close friend of the district attorney. Presented by the good people at the Bod Belly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on why we killed 290. A study on why it's called Kimbo-side. Alright everybody, welcome to episode 237. I hope it's 237. I, I jinxed you. I did it. Because <laughs> I, I always forget on my podcast, I can never remember which episode we're on. Yeah, so if it's not 237, it's 238. But welcome to episode 237 of Art and Jacob Do America podcast. I am your host, in the place to be Mr. Jacob P. And sitting right across from me is not the brown recluse, Mr. Art Trail. However, it is brown. It is the model, the sexual seduction of the Words Are Hard podcast, Mr. Jesus Fuentes, slash model for superapparel.com. Jesus, say hello to the millions. And millions. Mm. Sounds good, baby. What up, people? This is the curly-headed fuck himself, Jesus Fuentes, coming to you live, not live, I don't know why I always say that. Well, we're from live a, on Facebook. From a very rich mahogany table. <laughs> I'm caressing it right the, now. The, the place to be smells of rich mahogany. Rich mahogany and Damn leather that, bound we should books. be rappers. Leather bound books. <laughs> Damn, that's the name of the Patreon. Fucking <laughs> Anchorman. Anchorman. Mens. Mens. Uh, Menai? Anchorman I? 
<laughs> Anyways, Jesus, you want to tell everybody about our sponsor, something that you partake on. Yes. You guys check out sukerapparel.com. That's S-U-I-K-E-R apparel.com. That is the homegrown Nicole Smith Bosch's website. Mm-hmm. It has so much dope stuff. You guys are going to be overwhelmed. I suggest doing two orders. You know what I mean? Just breaking it up. That way it doesn't tear your bank, bank uh, account apart. I myself pretty much own everything on that website uh, with the exemption of fanny packs. But I have bought fanny packs from that website. Okay. As a gift. Nice. Very dope. Because Christmas is coming every day, buddy. I bought the uh, rose pattern white one. It's really cool. Nice. Her roses are beautiful details. I always get compliments when I wear the rose shirt about her detail. So, yeah. So. Check, Check out. out the great and powerful Nicole Smith Bosch's website at sukerapparel.com. She sponsors both my podcast as well as Jesus's podcast. So enter promo codes Art and Jacob or Words Are Hard, words with the letter R, for 10% off your entire purchase. But Speaking of sponsors, guys, make sure you check out our other sponsor. This is usually Art's job to talk about this sponsor, <laughs> but I guess I'll do it now. But guys, go ahead and head on over to cavemancoffeeco.com. Uh, Art always forgets to put the co, but go, guys, go to cavemancoffeeco.com. Uh, check out their wide variety of fucking uh, coffee beans, coffee grounds. Art always uh, throws out there the hibiscus tea. That is his favorite drink. Nitro brews. Nitro cold brews, which gets me up in the morning. Uh, Jesus and I were talking on the Patreon. You know, that's that's my drink that I have at the gym. Uh, I'm not drinking water. I'm not drinking fucking uh, pre-workout or anything like that. No. I just fucking, uh, I put two nitro cold brews in my shaker cup, and I have a a great workout. So, guys, put away all the fucking monsters. Put away the Red Bulls. Uh, Fuck a, a, a bang energy drink. Um, Fuck a bang? Huh? Fuck a bang? You can if you want. I mean, the, the cans are big enough to do that. But forget all that. Head on over to cavemancoffeeco.com. Uh, buy whatever you want. And when you put whatever you want into your cart, enter promo code AMERICA and Caveman Coffee. Keith Jardine himself will give you 15% off your entire purchase. But guys. Gen- no, I want to elaborate a little bit. Okay. First of all, from... Being the huge coffee connoisseur that I am, it's true. Stop fucking around with drip. Get a grinder, grind your coffee beans, use a French press, mm. and your coffee experience will double in enjoyment. It'd be the best part of waking up, huh? Well, uh, who is it? Dave from uh, Silver King swears by uh, pure, using purified water. <laughs> I don't go that far. I don't put, you know. Sometimes you need the fluoride in there to yeah. add just a little bit no, more. Well, I mean, I use an instant <laughs> pot. I boil my water. As mm-hmm. I'm doing that, I grind my beans. I put it in the French press. Three minutes later, everything's ready. I yeah. got coffee. Guys, it is so good. You guys got to you guys gotta try the fresh, the, the whole beans. I myself have used the Ethiopian blend mm-hmm. from Caveman Coffee. It was outstanding. Everyone that I've given it to as a gift also loves it. I don't think they're in stock right now. That's the only reason I don't have any. Yeah, but, but it's that good, though. That's that good, guys. The Ethiopian. But, yeah, every coffee I've had on there is outstanding. I'm not a hibiscus guy, but, you know, to each own. Um, but all the nacho brews, absolutely. Those are my go-to when I'm in a hurry mm-hmm. and I don't have coffee and I don't have time to make coffee. I'm not stopping at Starbucks. Give me a nitro cold brew and I'm good to go. And entering promo code AMERICA for that 15% off. But, guys... We're not here to talk about French presses or nitro cold brews or hibiscus teas. 
No. Mr. Fuentes, what are we here to talk about today? We're talking about the Lords of Bakersfield, mm. which uh, recently have been back in the headlines mm-hmm. here locally in, in Bakersfield, California, where we're recording at, mm-hmm. uh, because um, shit's about to hit the fan, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Uh, one of the persons that's involved in a lot of these stories that kind of ties uh, everything together. Ties everything together. It was firsthand accounts of what went down in in the 70s, late 70s, uh, throughout the 80s, mm-hmm. and again in the early 2000s. All ties together. He is coming forward. He is suing the county. County, the city, the, uh, Catholic Charities. The Catholic uh, Dionysus or whatever. Dicey of Fresno, yeah. yeah. He is suing everyone. He is out on bail. Fresh out of jail. No, he's 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 out on bail. <laughs> he, he's, he's not even out on yeah, bail. He's paroled. Yeah, he's, he's, he's done. He served his time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is suing. He's a, a litigious person. Yes, as he should be. Yes, I personally think yeah, that's my personal opinion. And when you hear the rest of this story, like you can't help but be kind of be on his side, kind of understand where he's coming from. Uh, he did some fucked up shit. <laughs> We're yeah, not gonna lie. Absolutely. But maybe uh, kind of like uh, it reminds me of. Um, Waiting to Exhale, <laughs> the movie <laughs> where uh, she blows up her boyfriend's shit. Uh, but it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. You know what it kind of reminds me of? Um, that one girl that uh, all the celebrities rallied behind not too long ago to get her uh, out of prison. She uh, shot and killed her, the person that put her into sex trafficking, the guy that was sex oh, trafficking. Oh, yes, you're right. And yeah. she served 10, 10 or 15 years. Wow. Something like that. I think she was like 30. When she, she was 16 when it happened. Mm-hmm. She didn't get out until she was like 30. But yeah. She she shot and killed a guy that was raping her and pimping her out mm-hmm. and all of that and uh, I can't remember which celebrity was the most behind. It. I remember Kim Kardashian was behind it, but a lot of people were rallying behind her. I we'll just say Jane Fonda. Uh, Jane Fonda. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the Patreon guys. Yeah. Um, I think Dwayne Wade too. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of people rallied behind her and eventually got her out of out of prison. But yeah, it kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. Very similar. Like that's but, probably a future topic, but um, yeah. Uh, the Lords of Bakersfield has been a topic that's been on my list for quite some time. And Art says this a lot. You know, sometimes it's just time wasn't right. We just didn't have the right um, people in place maybe to be able to talk about it in a serious sense. And when you said that, you know, it came back in the news, I was like, dude, we got to hit while the iron's hot. Unfortunately, Art couldn't be here today. Um, Hillary Clinton um, has him in prison somewhere on Epstein's Island. He was about to release those photos. Yeah, so unfortunately he can't be here with us today. But um, being that we are um, from Bakersfield, I think that it's only proper that, you know, we put our spin on it. Um, Growing up, I've heard, you know, inklings of this, you know, since, you know, the late 80s all the way up through the early 2000s. And, you know, I've heard people, you know, such as when my dad was in my life, he would talk about places like Ethel's um, mm-hmm. Corral, uh, where he's like, dude, there's bodies buried out there, you know, for some shady shit that people in power um, had, you know, had those bodies buried out there, you know, to hide some secrets. And, you know, you hear about it, you know, through, you know, older people, you know, like, hey, don't go to Beach Park. You know, there's some shady shit that's going to go down there. I had never heard that, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Reading, doing the research, I was blown away. I was like, dude, I play softball there all the time. Yeah. You could have been traffic, son. Yeah, absolutely. And I um, went there as a kid all the time, too, because it was nice when we were kids. Mm-hmm. It was as nice as Hart Park. Like, it was like you go Hart Park or Beach Park on a, on a nice, you know, Memorial Day weekend mm-hmm. or Fourth of July weekend. Mm-hmm. You're at Hart Park or you're at Beach Park. Correct. 
And that's probably why some shady shit went down there I mean, because it was a nice place Axel's to be. is by Heart Park too. Exactly. It's on the way. Yeah. And it's just as much as in the middle of nowhere to be d- discreet, hiding yeah. in plain sight, if you will. Uh, but even when I got my uh, my real job where I'm uh, working at, you know, can't say exactly where because I don't want to get in trouble. But um, Who works for Hillary Clinton? <laughs> kind of. Um, but, um, you know, a lot of people who had been there for, you know, 40, 50 years would tell tell me stuff about this, too. Like, yeah, the Lords of Bakersfield is a very true thing. You know, people in power, you know, district attorney, uh, sheriffs, police officers, commissioners. lawyers. Commissioners. I didn't even know we had a commissioner. Correct. Yeah. Fucking. Uh, commissioner Gordon, Gordon. Is, a, is an actual title we could have yeah. if your last name was Gordon. <laughs> Come on, anybody. Let's get that. Let's make that a thing. Uh, but, yes, prominent people, rich people, people of power, people of influence. Influence, you know, the local newspaper uh, kind of had this secret society, if you will. You know, we talk about a lot of conspiracies and secret societies, but we had that going on in our own little petri dish of a community here in Bakersfield for yeah. some say um, going back to the 1950s, or yeah, it was like white, what a white, white orchid, orchid, the white orchid society. Yes, that's what cr- they would call it. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the real name, and we just dubbed them. The Lords of Bakersfield, which I bet they like more. Yeah. Uh, it know. sounded kind of like a satanic cult. I was hoping like there was like going to be some cloaks and some hoods and like some satanic ritual like at the Greenlawn Cemetery or whatever. Unfortunately, there's none of that. But um, Bakersfield in a nutshell, if you're not from here, one of the unofficial sayings is uh, come here on vacation, leave on probation because we have a... Uh, a government or a society that you know believes in strict law and order you oh, know yeah. if you you mean they don't fuck around like the police the sheriff i mean i think we lead the nation in per capita deaths by our police force yeah uh, uh, which is higher than chicago's mm-hmm. per yes. capita which is crazy uh, uh, per citizen or per like 1000 citizens or some shit like that right like that's mm-hmm. how they do the math like per 1000 citizens our death rate by officer involved shooting mm-hmm. is higher than chicago new york city los angeles which includes South Central, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Compton, South Central, uh, yeah, uh, and it also includes all of Texas. You know, you know those guys Detroit, are Detroit, Detroit, Miami. On. Come on, some hood ass Fresno. Places. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of hood ass places, yeah, right. Uh, but also too, like we we're also known for having a lot of good old boy clubs where people watch out for each other. You know, speaking of you know police shootings, uh, you know where you know shit like that would happen and they'll get off just due to their connections with. Uh, you know, district attorneys or lawyers or people of prominence and power. Yeah, know? we're just well, known for that. Yeah, that and you know, you got to look at it as well as a, as a town. You know, a lot of people describe it as a as a big small town. Correct. Because everyone kind of knows everyone. Like, there's one degree of separation from anyone. Like, Correct. You might know them, might not know them, but I guarantee you know someone that does know them. Which is crazy considering four hundred thousand uh, people. Yeah, we're bigger than New Orleans. Yeah. Picture that. You know, New Orleans has a fucking football team and a basketball team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a fucking, you know. And Bourbon Street. Bourbon stinks. Street. It's, yeah. Stinks, by the way, guys. <laughs> I went. I did not have. Uh, I had a good time just because I was drunk the whole time. But it it wasn't what it was made out to be. Correct. Let me just put it that way. But when you put it into those terms, we're bigger than a city like New Orleans, yet we still have like this small city mindset mm-hmm. where our landmass is huge too. Correct. Yeah. We're uh, very spread out. So not in terms of people, we have more people and landmass than New Orleans. And I think we have more landmass than like most major cities with the exception of like Los Angeles. Correct. But for some reason, like you said, 
you know, there's all this, like, you know, somebody and that somebody knows somebody Mm -hmm. and it creates those good old boys clubs. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, to kind of get into it. It's also uh, fun to go to bars like that. I can go to a (laughs) random bar and I bet you $20 someone will know me there. I wonder if I can find my dad that way. I probably got drunk with your dad, Jacob. Probably. To be honest with you. He's 88 years old now. So, but uh, I think I I I got drunk with him over at uh, the old Maxwell's. (laughs) I'll be honest with you. I got drunk with a very old man once. <laughs> he was a nice guy. We just swapped stories. Shout out to my dad. Call me, please. Respond to our letters. But anyways. Um, <laughs> Bought me a whiskey sour. Uh, speaking of um, father figures, uh, let's go ahead and start uh, with a father figure per se. Uh, the Lords of Bakers. Per se. Yeah. <laughs> per his se. Yeah. Let's start off with uh, what kind of got this into more mainstream media attention. Uh, our assistant uh, district attorney, uh, Stephen Towser, was found murdered in his Towser. home. Towser? Towser. Yeah. Uh, was found murdered in his home September 13th, 2002, with a knife in his head, brutally stabbed um, on that uh, warm September uh, evening. And. Um, kind of ruffled some feathers a little bit because um, there was some rumors uh, that he was grooming a young man by the name of Lance Hillis. Now, Lance Hillis was the son of Chris Hillis. Middle son. Middle son of Chris Hillis. Uh, Chris Hillis, who was a former um, investigator for the DA's office. Former police officer. Former police officer of the year Mm. in Bakersfield. Five times cited for excessive violence. Oh, yes. Five times. Five times, like Booker uh, T. Insert that right there in the <laughs> yeah. YouTube. Um, uh, one which actually resulted in a settlement. Five thousand oh, really? dollars cost, cost the county five thousand or the city five thousand dollars, and that was in the eighties. I didn't even do the math on what it is. Inflation. Inflation. It's got to be at least twenty. Twenty thousand dollars today. Yeah. <laughs> Beat me up, Chris Ellis. I need that twenty thousand to pay off this uh, computer. But anyways, um, Chris Ellis and Stephen Towser had this beef uh, because uh, Stephen Towser was always somehow some way involved in lance's uh life um there was suspected that they had like some kind of homosexual relationship uh chris believed that um he was grooming uh lance uh basically because lance had a bad drug habit yeah lance uh at 16 experimented with crystal meth Mm. which is very prevalent in in our community in kern county and all the adjacent counties Meth is an issue here. It's, it's big time. It's like Coke in Miami, you know? Yeah, it's hand and, in hand. Yeah, it's it's a huge uh, issue here. It's made here, so, you know, it's easy to come by. It's cheap, and apparently, from what I've been told, I've never experimented, it gives you immediate effects, mm-hmm. much like crack. Correct. So he hit it at 16. He did uh, meth for the first time, and he was pretty much an addict after that. Yes, and um, uh, Chris's parents um, were trying to get him the help that he needed. However, he kept getting in trouble, kept, you know, living a reckless life or whatever. And he found himself uh, kind of in, in front of Steven Towser, who uh, f- caught a liking to Lance and would get him off for, you know, whatever trouble that he would get in. Um, some stories. You, now, you talk to five different people, you get five different stories. Did you read the separate article on him? Uh, no, you want to tell me about yeah. it? Yeah. So it was bad, dude. It was. A hundred percent inappropriate. Mm. So Chris first gets arrested at 18 for uh, having him and his buddies smoke some pot and they were, they're in Tatchby because mm-hmm. that's where um, uh, 
his mom, not his mom, yeah, his mom lived in Tehachapi and his dad lived in Bakersfield. They were separated. And he was in Tehachapi walking down the street. Him and his buddies had just smoked a couple of joints, high as fuck, and they're walking. Cops see him, end up chasing him. Chris ends up hiding in a dumpster with one of his buddies. Oh, I saw this. Yes, yeah. Yes. So they got, uh, they got arrested. He got arrested for um, pretty much producing or giving the pot to his friend who was 17. He was 18. Mm-hmm. So he pro- technically, he, you know, provided drugs to a minor. So that was this his is first. a big offense. It's a big offense. It's a felony, I believe. Uh, yeah, he he uh you know what? He must have not he must have got away with that one because I think that's enter uh Steven Souser who actually or Towser, who actually knew him as a child because his father, Chris Hellis, worked for him mm-hmm. at, at the DA's office and then also did some private contracting work outside of work, built his fence and I think subcontracted his his pool. Mm-hmm. So I mean this is a, a close community. It's like how close me and Jacob are. Like Correct. that's how close these guys were. At one point in time, he came over, saw his kids, you know, so he knew who Lance was at a very early age, steps in, tries to help him. And then that's where shit went bad. Yeah. And like Jesus was alluding to, knew him from a very young age. Uh, Chris would find him. Again, you talk to five different people, you get five different stories. We're just going to put whatever's kind of out there. We're not here to spread rumors or innuendo. His cousin Uh, spoke a lot. Yeah. I can't remember her name. I think her name was Heather or something like that. She spoke a lot to it as far as, because they were the closest age Mm -hmm. as far as anyone in the family. And so uh, Stephen, you know, he would have uh, Lance come over to his house, underage, mind you, spend a lot of time. Uh, which didn't rub uh, Chris the wrong way initially because, again, it's just a family friend or whatever. Uh, but started spending more and more time there, uh, would get Lance off for these, you know, these run-ins with the law, which in Bakersfield would land anybody else, like two, three, five, ten years, you know, very hard on crime, especially yeah. with this is the Ed Jiggles As, era. And then this man, the first offense was a no big deal. His future offenses all involved stealing. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a victimless crime. He was... Tearing property apart. One of the reports I read, he cut a fence. He cut a fence down and tried to steal um, some material, and they caught him. Mm-hmm. So he's he's already destroyed, destroyed people's property. He really doesn't mind going out of his way to you know. I mean, as long as he can get the money to his fix, he doesn't care who it hurts. And guess who he's getting that money from? He's, so eventually, when he can't steal, rob, steal, or or cheat his way to drug money, he goes to Towser. Towser, who again is using him for sex. Sex. So he is trading not only money, eventually rent. He rented an apartment for him, gave him a vehicle, uh, and then obviously would pretty much get him out of jail anytime mm-hmm. he wanted to. Yeah, anytime he would come into trouble, like he would either just go to rehab or just kind of get like a light uh, slap on the wrist. He went to so many rehab facilities. I read like six or seven of them, mm-hmm. and some of them were multiple. Yes. And again, this is a this is an era in Bakersfield where even if you get caught speeding or whatever, you're you're pretty much on probation for yeah. three years. Like it's tough on crime. Yeah, you get the maximum. Yeah, you get the book thrown at you. But uh Lance would get light slaps on his the wrist due to a sexual relationship, underage sexual relationship with Stephen Towers. Which according to his cousin, who he confided in, forced. Correct. He, it wasn't 
consensual. It was because he was like, but he was a drug I, addict who yeah. needed his fix, so yeah. he just went where, he, where that what was most important to him. And when you but, think about it, yeah. that power dynamic of an older man, you know, using his exploiting him for his weaknesses to get what he wants, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it kind of set um, a tone when they found him murdered. Eventually, it was it came out that uh, Chris's dad or Lance's dad, Chris had done it. He denied it for a year or so, but then came out and said like, Hey, like I hated the fact that, you know, he was having this, you know, homosexual relationship with my son. I mean, think about it. Your son's a drug addict and he's getting groomed, taken advantage his, of. His dad sounds like a fucking amazing father. So his dad ended up quitting the DA's office, not for Chris or for Lance's thing, but he, he quit for his own reason. I think it was PTSD. He eventually went back to school to learn how to be a drug counselor, counselor so he could help Lance with his problem. Then starts a rehab facility for him. Called Lance's house. Lance, well, it was just called Haven. Yeah. It was just called Haven House and then eventually Lance's Haven House. But yeah, this dude went out of his way. to He did everything he could to try to help Lance with his addiction. And, and it kind of felt like Stephen Towser undermined it every at every time. Correct, just because of what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, unfortunately, Lance dies in a head-on car accident, and um, leaving a facility. Correct. That Towser set him up in, so he ran away, stole a car, crashed into a truck head-on, died on impact. Yes. Yeah, so they find at twenty-two. They uh, they find each or Chris actually. Um, He's uh, heartbroken, you know, that his son dies or whatever. And, and they say that they find him like at the, the cemetery, you know, just drinking, you know, just thinking about his son and how he quote unquote failed him or whatever. And he had all this pent up rage against Steven Towser. And uh, one day he said, fuck it. I'm just going to go to his house, uh, goes to his house. They share a beer. And I think what sets him off is he says that he saw a picture of Lance on uh, Steven's uh, uh, mantle or whatnot. And he's just like, what the fuck? Why do you got my son's picture up there, dude? Like, did you did you know that they got into an altercation before that? Yeah. So allegedly, Chris Hillis says he bitch slapped him. Mm-hmm. He bitch slapped Stephen Towser, but people said that Stephen Towser had a black eye and a, a cut above his lip. That's a so, mighty mighty so hard slap. That's a Charlie Murphy me, fucking uh, Rick James slap. Sounds to me like a closed fist. So after that happened, he actually talked to Stephen Towser's boss. Ed Jangles, who is our district attorney Mm -hmm. still. No, he's retired. Oh, that's right. He did retire. Yeah. So he talks to Ed Jangles and tells him, Ed Jangles' name will come up later on again. A lot of time. Yeah. He goes up to Ed Jangles and tells him uh, after the fight and then or altercation. And Ed Jangles says, it's done. You don't have to worry about it anymore. And then does nothing. And when uh, Hillis goes back to him, when Chris Hillis goes back to Ed Jangles later on, after Steve Towser continues to pursue his son, uh, I mean, it's it's quite aggressive pursuing. He he goes to wherever he's at. If he's at a facility, he shows up with candy and shit like that. And, mm-hmm. and he, you know, what I mean, he's like the uh, he's like the baby's mama or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, he sees a picture on his mantle. It sets him off. There, he's drunk, and he goes, "Dude, I loved your son." And he goes, "My son was underage." What were you doing? He wasn't even gay, but you were just taking advantage of him. And I guess he said that's when it, you know things led to what happened. Is he stabs him in you know the head, ten leaves to, him to die to eleven times. Yes, and leaves him to die in uh, the his garage. And so the reason why this story is important, not only because you know it's a crazy story, and it probably could be its own episode mm-hmm. uh, with all the details of it, but the reason why that's important is because it had a lot of similarities 
to a lot of cases that happened in the late 70s and early 80s, uh, which involved, like I said, prominent men in Bakersfield who were taking advantage of young boys. And a lot of people looked the other way. Correct. Like Ed Jagels. Like Ed Jagels, which was... I mean, the the amount that they looked away, they they moved all his cases out of Kern County because one of his brothers became working at the DA, and he still went out of his way to to, to help him out and mm-hmm. make calls uh, under the banter of the DA's office. Correct. So this gets uh, all that old, uh, all those old uh, stories uh, recirculating again. And our local paper, the Bakersfield California, runs an article, and a lot of these stories that we're going to be talking about. Um, are kind of taken from this article uh, by Robert Price, who spent Great. decades, decades covering the Lords of Bakersfield. Great. Even- and and had to, and had to keep his mouth shut. Mm-hmm. The reason why is one of the corrupt individuals that we're going to talk about owned the Bakersfield <laughs> Californian, who was Robert Price's boss. Correct. So he could he kept all this information, but he really didn't get a chance to publish it until his sister. His sister took over the paper when he died of AIDS. Correct. And his sister gave Robert Price permission to run this article when the Steven Towser murder happened. Yeah, so in January of 2003, so I'm a senior in high school, uh, writes a series of articles called The Lords of Bakersfield. And I I, I know we're going to leave out a lot of stuff uh, just for the you know time's sake, but I, I, you know, if you look up The Lords of Bakersfield, I believe it's bakersfield.com, would be one of the first links. Read those articles because it's super intense. Yeah. And just for you know time's sake, we're gonna we're gonna kind of pick and choose some of the stories for, um, you know, just to get you give you the picture of what's going on here. Uh, but read that article. It's fascinating stuff, and it's fascinating not only because it's a riveting story, yeah. but it happened in our small podunk town. Yeah. Where everyone knows someone at least one degree removed. Correct. So everything kind of gets started, quote unquote. Uh, in 1978, where Tommy Tarver, who is a local hairdresser, uh, he owns uh, uh, Mr. T. Westchester um, on F Street. Which is still, it's still a barbershop there. Correct. It's just not called that. I think it's called uh, Great American or something like that now. Yeah, you're right. And um, he, This is what you won't get on the other fucking podcast. No, you will not. Only from a local baker show local podcast. Local guys. Uh, but basically, uh, he was a freshly, he had just freshly come out as a gay man. He uh, was married two times before uh, to women and actually started families and whatnot. But we're talking about a time frame in America where it was still frowned upon uh, to be a homosexual man. But he downtown. I mean, Bakersfield is a conservative town, but downtown Bakersfield has kind of been a more free. There's a Freemasons. Yeah. Big building down there. Yeah. yeah. In in downtown Bakersfield. So let's talk about old fashioned thinking. Mm -hmm. It's still very much. It's ran. still still ran by the uh, the same old people. We still think the same way they did back then. Yep. But uh, downtown kind of has more of a freer um, mindset, you know, like that whole Chester downtown every area, F Street. You know, you're going to have more artsy-fartsy people, more liberal-minded people down there. So uh, Tommy uh, was starting this new life, you know, as a gay man, you know, owning his uh, this salon. and uh, But he had the taste for the younger men as well. So... Uh, enter a 13-year-old Robert Mistriel, who will pop up more than one time in this narrative. Bobby. Uh, <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> Bobby Mistriel. Uh, but anyways, um, uh, as uh, the legends uh, happens, uh, sometime um, in January of 1978, uh, Robert 
and uh, Tommy, you know, they take a taxi uh, to Rancho Bakersfield Motel. Uh, to I guess the bar down there, and I guess it was a local hangout for gang, gay men. Uh, but Robert was an underage prostitute. Now he was thirteen, thirteen years old, and Tommy was, I believe, forty-three, forty-nine. Forty-nine. Oh, much older than I thought. And uh, they went to, you know, do their thing at the Rancho Bakersfield Hotel and Bar. And uh, uh, per a taxi driver's uh, testimony said that he drove them there. Uh, but later on that night, uh, he drove uh, Tommy and another man, a uh, different man, away from the hotel back to uh, Tommy Tarver's house. Uh, this is... Um, William Kenneth Manley Jr. Correct. Who was a 24-year-old uh, student from Santa Rosa. And um, they agreed, like, hey, they met at the bar. Uh, they agreed, like, hey, let's go clubbing. But but first, before we go clubbing, you know, I need to change my clothes. You know, I got to get my fucking fly gear. You know what I'm saying? You I got to put them gator slippers on. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can't be fucking, you know, doing the fucking the hustle and shit to this <laughs> these fucking trousers. Also, also, possibly wanting to rinse the sex off of them. Mm, probably, yeah. Uh, I mean, but what happens is, uh, per the taxi driver, yes, is that, um, oh, not the taxi driver. Oh, per um, William Kenneth Manley Jr., Manley Jr., let's just call him Mr. Manley. Mr. Manley. Uh, two other gentlemen show up at uh, Tommy Tarver. That's Tarver's. a crazy part. <laughs> yeah, and they start arguing. Uh, so Mr. Manley, he uh, excuses himself. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to hang out outside where you guys figure out whatever you're going to be doing. Uh, I mean, that's a polite thing to do, right? Like if, if people were having like, no one wants to stand around when people have domestic issues. Especially if you just met the dude. Yeah, like, you're right? not trying to get caught up in that shit. Man, right? I've, I've done, I've been in some fucked up situations where I'm just <laughs> like, man, I just met this person. I got to get out of here. Yeah, like, these are red flags right uh, here. So Manley steps outside for a second, uh, gathers himself, probably has a smoke. Then he goes back and opens the door. To find Tommy Tarver having sex with both men. Yes. So he's just like, well, fuck it. I'm out. I'm done. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? The That's not how I thought my night was going. No. Closes his door, walks down the street, knocks on a neighbor's house, and asks to use the phone to call a taxi. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to remember, guys, it's 1979. Hmm? Ain't got no cell phone. Ain't no Uber. Yeah. Uh, so his, his neighbors let him. And then they uh, he leaves. Uh, but uh, the next morning, a gardener uh, working on the backyard notices blood coming out from the back door. Open, Correct. Opens it up, finds a bludgeoned Tommy Tarver. And he was hit with a knife, or he was stabbed with a knife and hit in the head repeatedly with a hammer. And he was still alive, too. And he was still alive. So police are called out. They start a perimeter. They start... Uh, interviewing neighbors and one of the neighbors uh, said that you know a young a young man came at our door in the middle of the night and gave a description of him obviously it was William Manley and the next day they find Mr. a young 13 year old Robert Mistrial driving Tommy <laughs> Tarver's Cadillac oh no they caught him burglarizing his shop the, the shop yeah so he was he drove his car to the shop broke in and start stealing shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they caught him in the act. Uh, and then he describes his events of the night. Eventually they find Mr. Manley. And his story is that um, he actually stole some silverware before mm-hmm. he uh, 
before he left. Which is why you don't bring a stranger to your house. Like, yeah, yeah they might look good. You might want to do some things to them. But, yeah, if you got some nice silverware, don't let them all up in the kitchen. silverware set. Actually dropped one of them at the neighbor's house while he's using the phone. Mm -hmm. And that's how the police were able to link him. Yep. And then, so the police arrest uh, William Manley Jr. on murder charges and burglary. They also arrest uh, a young Robert Mistrial for burglary and possession of stolen goods or something like that, right? Correct, yeah. And so the trial set... um, Mr. Manley's lawyer tries to get Robert Mistrial to testify. Correct. On on his behalf, the judge says no, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Right? Says red flags, guys. Yeah. So the judge says no. Separately, someone actually does depose Mistrial and he pleads the fifth. Correct, which is suspect. Which is, again, innocent yeah. people don't plead the fifth. Correct. I know that's not very PC, but let's be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah innocent people don't but he wasn't charged with murder so the lawyer was just like well if we have him plead the fifth it'll plant the seed in the Mm -hmm. juror's mind that oh okay somebody else could have been a suspect in the murder now mind you he's not being charged with murder but he wants to plant that seed in the juror's mind absolutely yeah you just need one yes you just need one you need a shadow to put that shadow of a doubt exactly Um, so when it's all said and done they actually acquit Mr. Manley of murder charges, but they do find him guilty of uh, burglary. Uh, burglary. And he, I think he serves like three years or something like that. Well, he serves, he gets like three years, but he only serves, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. He gets three years, but he only serves like a fucking, like a, a quarter of that. But again, for burglary, that's a lot of time, yeah. you know, in Crew County. And then, um, uh, Mistrial, he gets sentenced to six months, uh, in a current youth facility. And that current youth facility which will come up later on in this episode. Which is, I feel like it's like that scene from. Um, have you ever seen the movie Lion? No. Oh, you got to watch Lion. Okay. It's about a, an Indian kid when he's like six or five or six gets separated from his family because he falls asleep on a freight train, and he ends up in a different part of India, and then he gets a. Uh, he lives on the streets, and then he lives in a fucking uh, foster home, and then gets adopted by an Australian family, and then his whole life he just always wonders what happened to his family. So he ends up like going back and finding, spoiler alert. Um, but when he shows up, when he ends up at that foster home, it's kind of like. Some shit gets, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Mr. Mistrial, or a little baby Mistrial, if you will. Bobby. Bobby uh, gets sentenced uh, six months to be at San Felipe Boys Home, which is kind of like a, not juvie, but it's like a rehab uh, center f- uh, for troubled young men. Ran by. Catholic Charities or the Catholic Diocese of Fresno. So if you know anything about uh, the Catholic Church and Young Boys. Uh, not a good track record. Not a good track record, not, record no. at all. And, it's, um, and that does not, Bakersfield is not exempt of that, by the no, way. No, yes. We've I, had a couple of uh, priests, a very prominent one recently. Correct. In the news, uh, get uh, get accused multiple times by multiple people. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, we're not exempt from that. We're not, you know, you hear it in the news because it happens in big cities, but it still happens in small cities as well. Mm, smallish cities like Bakersfield. Smallish. So remember Smedium. that. Medium city. Medium. Uh, so remember that name, the San Felipe Boys Home, if you will. So that will, the reason for that story is due to that. So 
the next story that comes up is uh, a man by the name of Glenn Fitz. Now, who is Glenn Fitz? Glenn Fitz was a former Bakersfield police commissioner, kind of like Commissioner Gordon, uh, who also taught at Bakersfield College, which is literally a hop, step, and a jump away from the place to be where we're recording at right now. The house that smells of rich mahogany mm. and leather-bound books. Correct. Uh, he was also um, a training quarter coordinator at the Bakersfield Police Academy. Uh, he was well-liked and also lived about a block away from where we're at right now. <laughs> now, uh, you guys got to think about this. This man trained every police officer for essentially 20 years. Correct. So every police officer on the force knew him mm-hmm. on a first-name basis and on top of that, he was a commissioner, so they already knew him, Correct. and he was a man of So he was their boss. So he was his teacher and a boss, basically. Yeah. So he was he was a man of prominence, again. Every police officer in town knows him. Yes, and I believe he lived two doors down from uh, the city official that appointed him yeah, as police commissioner. So he's not elected <laughs> as commissioner. He is appointed commissioner, which I think is... <laughs> Crazy. Crazy, yeah. To me, like, that's just, like, backwards politics. But, yeah, yeah but I mean, isn't, for, po- isn't politics just backwards in general? So, for all intents and purposes, uh, pre-1979, <laughs> he was very well-liked, very, very well-respected, you know, for all the work he's done. So, I'm not going to put any shade on his career. Oh, no. There wasn't anything shady. But, unfortunately, pre-1979, something tragic. I believe it was two years previous. Uh, he loses his wife. I didn't see how he lost her, but tragically loses her and uh, becomes a widower. Yeah, he becomes a widower at that point. And as the story goes, uh, he starts spending all of his time at Seaman Park, which is literally almost across the street from where we're recording at right now. Your boy started winding out. Mm-hmm. I mean, he lost his wife. I don't know. Maybe he was depressed, but he starts winding out. He mm-hmm. starts hanging out at a local park by his, down the street from his house. Mm-hmm. So he's hanging out with high school kids. Yes, 14 to 17-year-olds. Kids. Kids, And he is 56 at the time. Correct. And um, what he would do is he would befriend all these kids. Now, Seaman Park, again, it's a very lovely park. Uh, It's got a basketball... B- b- nice basketball courts. Water this is where your boy, like you know, cut his teeth playing basketball I broke for my many ankle years. There once. Yeah, I twisted my ankle there too as well. I was um, dunking on a dude and I landed on his foot. Uh, as all great ankle injuries occur, uh, but you know, it's got a nice play area as well as it's located um, behind uh, Colonel Nichols and Chipman uh, Junior High School, and just down the street from Highland High School. It's so, it's a beautiful little park. It's a family right, park, right in the middle of a neighborhood. Correct. It's it's not off a of main street. Or anything like that, like most parks are. Mm-hmm. It is right snap in the middle of a neighborhood. Yes, and I can only imagine, like in the like late seventies, like how much more picturesque it was oh, back yeah. in the day. Yeah, I remember back in the nineties, it was very picturesque. Yeah. But yes, yeah, just think of, uh, you know, your stereotypical family friendly park. This is what it was. Mm-hmm. Lots of kids there, and uh, Mr. Fitz would hang out all of his time there, befriending all these kids. And on Friday and Saturday nights, after Highland High School football games would let them throw parties where he would make available drugs, cocktails, and beer. Well, and by drugs, we, we mean pot because it's mm-hmm. 1979 after all. So yeah, was, yeah, yeah. all they had was grass. He's not smoking weed. Or he's not fucking having them smoke crack. And They're fucking... doing coke lines off his dick or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> that we know of. Uh, I mean, maybe. It's just, uh, cocaine, cowboys, yeah, I guess right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the, the article I read, they mentioned specifically marijuana. Yeah. Um, which was probably trash. Uh, but... Yeah, he was uh he was uh giving these kids pot drinks on a Friday night 
They're 14, 17, as Jacob says, young, dumb, and full of cum. Mm-hmm. And all he asked for in return, sex. And it wasn't just the girls either. It was also the boys. It was the boys. He liked little boys as well. Yeah. You guys start to see a pattern here. And so uh, during Easter vacation in 1979, I believe it was uh, April 10th or 11th. Not, well, she disappeared on the night. That's the last time they saw her. There you go. So yeah, she probably died on yeah, the 10th. Yeah. So uh, April 9th, um, he has a birthday party for one of his young friends, uh, which uh, a Di- Dana Charlene Butler uh, was invited to as well. She uh, friends say that he met. She met him, Glenn Fitz, at a pizza place. They didn't say which pizza place it I'm was. I'm assuming it's like what Rusty's used to be. Probably like Papa O's Wasn't back it in the Papa day. O's? Yeah, probably Might, whatever what Papa O's was. Shakey's or some shit. Right, right. Yeah. Fucking See, guys, you won't get this anywhere. Else. Lamp post pizza. Right maybe? now it's Rusty's, which is fire, guys. Best if you're pizza ever in, in Bakersfield. Bakersfield. If you're ever in Bakersfield, find a Rusty's, except for that one on Ming. Gross. Yes, or Niles. They have a drive-thru, which is janky. Dude, I love the Niles one. Okay. You don't like the Niles one? I had a bad experience there. You got stabbed? Actually, yeah. <laughs> that parking lot. But anyways, that is neither here nor there. Um, she is at this birthday party uh, during Easter vacation. Uh, and then, like Jesus said, on the 9th, she goes missing. Um, and then eventually, they do find her body. Again, guys, oh, I'm sorry, we didn't even mention. She's 14 years old. Yeah, she's only she's 14 a baby. years young. But anyways, they find her body. Um, they find her at what's they describe it as uh, the old Corral Cafe, uh, which is still called. It's still called that. That's like the full name. Okay, but as locals as we know it, it's Ethel's and when Ethel's you, Old Corral. That's the full name. It is off. No, it's not Ethel Harold Highway, is it? No, I think it actually that's the is. Other way. Yeah. Oh, it does it does it go all the way around? You can see it from Alfredo. That's yeah. all I know. Yeah. Yeah. So on the way to Hard Park, it is a bar in the literally in the middle, middle of nowhere. nowhere. Um, it is, I guess, t- technically near all those nice houses that are on the river. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a shooting range next to it today. <laughs> and there's, well, a, there's hole, a reason for that. Yeah. And there's a hole next to it that my friend got married at. Yeah. David. D- David, you met him. Yep. Yep. David of um, El Gordo Entertainment had his wedding next door at that hall. Yeah, and um, it's also known for that big Indian that's doing yeah, that's <laughs> doing power. the white power salute. Ever since I was a kid, we always talked about that. Yeah, so that place it's still there, guys. Even in, from 1979 until today, Ethel's is still there. Um, from what I hear, it's a little bit more brown friendly. Yeah, um, but back in the day, though, it was known as uh, very much like you know, if your skin tone is even olive complexion, you are not welcome. No Italians, uh, uh, yeah, no <laughs> or Greeks or for Greeks, that matter. Yeah, right. uh, fucking no Koreans, nobody, man. You might be light skinned but you ain't getting in here. Uh, but yeah, it was known for that as well as you know a lot of biker gangs and a lot of criminal activity. Uh, my dad actually, who was a foreman in the oil fields, who um, luckily for him because he was a very dark individual, he was welcome there. Uh, but he he said that there was a lot of bodies buried around that facility. It was known for that. But uh, young Dana's body was found dumped there. And um, on her body, uh, there was uh, pubic hair that mats, matched Mr. Fitz's, as well as dog hair. And blood found in her his home matched her body as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, immediately he becomes the suspect. Uh, but the district attorney... Did not charge him with the well, crime. Well, first, first the district attorney declined correct to charge him and convened a grand jury, 
Now, that grand jury also didn't decide to 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 um, press indict charges and indict because from what we're told, they didn't get the full story. Correct. They weren't told all the facts. Evidence was uh, withheld mm-hmm. as well as uh, the coroner. Uh, they didn't do a body temperature check on but her I body. Think that matter. Like they kept on referring to that, and I'm like, you found the body three days later. Mm-hmm. The temperature is the same as two days later. Well, it matters like when you go to trial because it, the, the dating of when the body is found. Well, isn't it inconclusive after four, like two days? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Eric is no longer a part yeah. of this podcast. We can't ask him. Uh, but anyways, they cited that was a that that would have been important, and so the DA was uh, was saying that like yeah, since they never did uh, the body temperature check on the body. You know, that makes it difficult to prosecute, you know, as a murderer uh, because we don't know exactly when she died. And the coroner comes back and says, yo, and you guys know this. We don't do a body temperature check unless you guys specifically request that. So that's on you. We were waiting for that request and you guys said not to do it. So there's a bunch of shady shit uh, regarded. Now, I, I feel like that might just be incompetence right there. I don't think that's shady. I feel like someone just fucked up. Well, I think like when the coroner like specifically comes out and says, yo, you guys, we have to get permission from you guys to do that before we can do it. So if the coroner is like saying, who is actually a part of the sheriff's department. Yeah, right. so Which isn't separate here. Yeah. Anyway, guys, it is separate entities in bigger cities like L.A. The coroner's office does not and do not, I cannot interact with the police force mm. for reasons like that to protect certain individuals like uh prosecutional rights because if they collude mm-hmm. then like here you're fucked yeah but they could collude here because they're the the coroner's office is through the county sheriff correct and uh what's interesting about this case is that the sheriffs and the bpd that were working on this case because i guess the this the jurisdiction um crossed both lines so both uh, mm. uh both of them were involved they said that they had enough evidence to bring in their suspect. They, they were both very confident. In fact, the lead detective from Bakersfield Police Department, or the guy in charge of the de- detectives unit, the captain of the detectives unit, told the Bakersfield Californian at a party, very casually, oh, we have more than enough to convict. The Bakersfield California ran that story, left the suspect's name out. Correct. Now, again... This is suspicious, but understandable. Their their excuse was understandable because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you don't want to release someone's name, a la Richard Jewell, um, Correct. and incite violence. But by then, everyone already knew. Correct, yeah. This is where it, in comes mothers of Bakersfield. Bakersfield. So a group of women uh, started picketing uh, outside Fitz's uh, Fitz's house, so everyone already knew, like everyone knew it was him. Mm-hmm. No one, no one had to run it in the news or anything like that. The local news didn't bring it up. The paper didn't uh, specifically name him, refused to name him actually, mm-hmm. but everyone knew. So there was people picketing outside of his home, outside of the courthouse, and I believe some. What was the third place? I believe it was like the district attorney, yeah. district attorney's office, which is well. around the corner from the court. Correct. Yeah, yeah, it's all like within the kind of the same yeah, facility. Block, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they start picketing or whatever, and they kind of, this is like, again, this is Lords of Bakersfield, like, lore all, all over it. They're like, why hasn't he been brought in? 
And uh, the police chief, as well as, you know, uh, the, the sheriff, the Kern County Sheriff, was just like, well, hey, District Attorney, if you're not going to prosecute, if you're not going to indict him for this, we're going to get him on a bunch of lesser On charges. everything else. On yeah, everything so, else, Chris. He still provided alcohol to minors, provided illegal substances to minors, had sex with minors. Correct. Pretty much uh, cool, or like prostitution. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm sure there was some money exchange eventually. So we're talking about a, a levy. Of, I believe at the end of it, it was like eight other charges besides murder. We're talking was, felony charges. We're talking. I mean, and this is, and it's not going to look good if he ever does go to court because mm-hmm. he's an officer of the law. He was an officer of the law his whole life. So if anyone should know better, mm-hmm. it's people that are sworn in to protect those laws and then to break them openly like that. Mm-hmm. The book. I, I imagine if it ever did see a jury, the jury would convict him correct yes and then um they also had like that they um they interviewed a plumber who had done work on his house who said that like yeah and this is disgusting in my house even had it that he replaced uh carpeting in the bathroom i think that is the most disgusting shit i had an apartment once i had a carpeting in the bathroom and i was like this is weird but again in the morning it's really nice when your feetsies (laughs) but But in July, it sucks. In July, yeah. Yeah, and then if you have friends that don't know how to aim right, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, but anyways, yeah, replace carpeting in the bathroom as well as multiple plumbing fixtures uh, in the home. And we should say that um, some people believe that Dana was tortured because mm-hmm. uh, when they found her body, uh, the autopsy report revealed that she had 30 to 40 uh, shallow knife wounds, mm-hmm. which could be interpreted as torture. Correct. And two deep lethal ones. Correct. So, so the cause of death was a lethal deep knife injection, right? Mm-hmm. Now, here's my theory. I think he did it because there's a lot of people saying he didn't do it because he was old and he had a heart condition, but it happened there. I think those 30 to 40 shallow ones was an old man, not not enough strength mm-hmm. to go all the way through, and then maybe one or two got through. Correct. That's my theory. Or he's bleeding her out in the bathtub, and that's why he has to replace all this uh, this carpeting and plumbing fixture because it makes the body a lot lighter. That's because true. they said it could have been him that dumped the body by ethyls is because he has that heart condition. Now, if you don't got a bunch of blood in you, that's true. You can just yeah, that's most of your body is water. That's a good so. point, monkey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it's from uh, Grandma's boy. Okay, it's been years since I've seen that. As well as I was Do partaking, favor and just watch it. I was partaking in what they were partaking in that movie, so I forgot a lot about <laughs> that movie. So, but anyways, um, a week after, you know, he he actually gets charged by you know the BPD and the sheriff's department, you know, for all these other felonies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's actually found dead uh, by gunshot in between his house on Kebab. Avenue, which is literally a block. a block away from us, uh, between his house and his neighbor's house with a which suicide is note. Sus- suspicious, right? Mm-hmm. Am I the only one that finds the fact that he was on the side of his house? Like, you can kill yourself all sorts of nice places. Uh-huh. Dude, on your nice chair with the butt pad. Yeah. And then, like, you're going to kill yourself on the side of the house, or which this... I imagine most of the houses around here have slopes. Correct. Fucking. Why would you do that? But, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. As well as other neighbors describe hearing two gunshots. He only had one gunshot wound that was lethal. But he also leaves a suicide note that says, Dana Butler was last seen in front of a church between 11.30 and 12.30 a.m. on 4-9. I, on the morning of 4-9, was home waiting for... And then the letter ends. 
I wonder what that is. Like, I thought about that for a little bit. And I'm like, is he scared to list someone? Is that a fake suicide note? Because if there's a fake suicide note, that's that's it right there. Mm-hmm. That's a. F- but it makes you think, though. Okay, the district attorney. Now we've already established in our first story that you know the assistant district attorney and the district attorney are willing to look the other way or partake in these activities. He was having parties at those houses. At his house, I should say, not multiple houses. But um, he was having parties at his house. Who's to say other people weren't there who were men of prominence? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know because there wasn't very much rumors about this home. Now, the the next home we're going to, or the home we're going to speak of later, there is plenty of rumors. Oh, about that's the house it. we're going to talk about next. Yeah, <laughs> there's plenty of rumors about people of prominence being there. There's not too much at this one. In fact, they interviewed that one kid that he, he had. It was his favorite boy mm-hmm. who was also underage, 17-year-old Ricky Frolic. Frolic. He pretty much just said, that, you know, like, yeah, it was just us. Mm-hmm. So if anyone was going to dime him out, it would be probably him. Yeah. Well, who knows? But Alfred Ted Fritz, no, not, not Fitz, not but Fritz, Fritz. Yeah. Uh, like Jesus alluded to earlier, was the editor and co-owner of our local newspaper, the Bakersfield, California. Now, every city has its main paper. We have about seven or eight newspapers here. But Do we? Yeah, there's a bunch of newspapers. Dude, I wouldn't even know. I just know El Popular. That's yeah. the other one. Well, that's because you're Mexican, fool. But <laughs> the paper of our town, much like the L.A. Times or the New York the Times, Times, is the Bakersfield, California. So the newspaper, mm-hmm. the creme de la creme, Absolutely. where you get all of your fake news, is through the Bakersfield Californian. Well, Ted Alfred Ted Fritz was co-owner of this new paper as well as the editor. So very much so, like on the Patreon, like we were talking about, if you want to get a message out, Ted had all the power to get yeah. the message out. So like we alluded to uh, with Mr. Fitz, you know, his name wasn't being brought into the paper because the paper was saying like, hey, we don't have a name or nobody's been charged officially. So we don't want to falsely accuse somebody as well as we don't want to incur a libel uh, court case against which us. is kind of curious because I'm sure they've done it in other cases is like, if we really wanted to go back and look at other news articles predating Definitely. that, we could absolutely find them listing suspects. But as you will see, <laughs> they probably wanted to, to keep their name or keep his name away from them as much as possible. But uh, some more background on uh, uh, Mr. Ted Fritz. Uh, he would have these elaborate parties. He had a beautiful house. It's still there. It's still there. On Oleander. And Oleander was in the 70s and 80s and is still to this day. Oh, yeah. Some of the most prime real estate in all of Bakersfield. These homes are 500000 and up minimum. Uh, probably this, more than that yeah, right now. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, the, his is right on the corner, right? Mm-hmm. Chester Lane. I used to live on Chester Lane. And Oleander, right? So I live like, I used to live like half a block away from that house. Beautiful house. Not even the nicest house on the block. The house oh. two houses <laughs> yeah. over. Yeah. You know, with all the trees. Uh, yes, I do know. I've actually partied in that house. Oh, I bet, yeah. Uh, my buddy. Uh, I Andrew, DJed at a house over there right next to it, yeah. yeah. My buddy DJ, or my buddy, yeah. Uh, DJ. <laughs> my buddy DJ who lives right here, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Shout out DJ. Um he lives right here on the corner of his block. Big guy? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Black Dodge Ram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my guy. Um, so my buddy Andrew was date, was talking to a girl, and he was like, hey, she said she's having a party at her like fucking relative's house, her aunt's house. I can't remember, but it's a big house. We should go. So we all went, like me, OJ, Bernard, and Andrew, mobbed out over there. Fucking mansion. 
it's it's comparable to houses that you would see like when you're going to uh west hollywood like those houses like in the hollywood hills or even bigger than that like you were saying like bel-air and whatnot like these are fucking extravagant houses like the fucking butler's quarters like i said i used to when i used to dj i would have a lot of fucking um uh clients i guess you could say i i I would do i would set up in the backyard the fucking butler's quarters was nicer than your average house in this area it was nicer than fucking mr fitz's house (laughs) kbab i was like holy shit this i didn't know this shit existed in bakersfield outside of the country club here uh but yeah he would have these elaborate parties at his mansion where um people of prominence like ronald reagan's daughter Governor Jerry Brown. Who was the president at the time. Yeah. yeah. At the, the time. The, the sitting cl- president. The sitting president. Not like old president or future president. Yeah, no. The president's yeah. daughter was there. So Secret dude, Service was dude, in there. Dude, that's like Chelsea Clinton fucking walking around. This, or no, not Chelsea. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Joe Biden has daughters? I know he has crazy sons. Yeah, we all know about it. Let's sons. go do some mess with Hunter Biden. Yeah, Hunter Biden. Let's just say Hunter, Hunter Biden. Biden's in this bitch right now, snorting fucking rails <laughs> off this whole table. Let the whole table off that laptop. Uh, <laughs> off the whole the whole length of the table. Yeah, it no longer smells like rich and mahogany. It smells like Colombian yay. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, Ronald Reagan's daughter, governor, sitting governor Jerry Brown, uh, multiple senators. This one threw me for it. The whole band journey. Don't stop believing. They're from the Central Valley. Yeah, that's why that that, that makes sense to me. They're from the Central Valley. They're mm-hmm. just be like, oh yeah, let's go down to Bakersfield because mm-hmm. they're from. Um, well, I know at least Steve Perry's from. Uh, what's it called? Hanford. Yes, and he's from Hanford. Yeah. Also, Diane Cannon, as you will, I, I've never seen any of her movies, but she's uh, right next to Jack Nicholson as one of the most prominent celebrities at every Laker game. She was spotted there multiple times. Barry Manilow. Barry fucking Manilow. Barry fucking Manilow. Barry Manilow in the 80s is like bigger than Travis Scott is today. <laughs> yeah, you know, no joke. Yeah. Um, uh, but as well as many local men of power and prominence. Uh, and this is all according to our buddy, our pal from an earlier story, Mr. Robert Mistrial, who said that he lived and worked at this house and said that, you know, Alfred, he would have all these parties, and they were all for different. Um, he would have different theme, like different correct. type. Like some some parties would be for the neighbors, just the neighborhood party, mm-hmm. right? And then some parties would be for his employees at the Bakersfield, California, and the other companies that he owned. And then some parties would just be for local politicians. Some would be more extravagant, or Journey and Barry Manilow, mm-hmm. or probably fucking having cocktails together and playing beer pong. Correct, <laughs> <laughs> cocktail pong. Uh, no, what was it called before Beirut? They're oh. playing, uh, they're playing Beirut. <laughs> Um, and then he allegedly had these parties, according to Rob, Bobby Mistral, um, where it was just men. Correct. It was raining men. Yes. Hallelujah. Literally. And he said that, raining you know, men. he would uh, be. Hallelujah. <laughs> he would um, he would have uh, the job of going down to Beach Park and recruiting many underage boys. Uh, to be waiters and, you know, other staff members during these parties where they well, were not wear, just waiters. Well, yeah, uh, where they would wear, you know, very short, tight shorts as well as tank tops, like those A.C. Slater see-through tank mm-hmm. tops, and um, as well as they would um, accommodate many local law enforcement and government officials with whatever they wanted to do. Now, the only thing that came to my mind, I don't know if you've seen Squid Games or not, no. uh, but one of the episodes, uh, there's a similar scene there where all these, like, rich and powerful men are present, 
and uh, the waiters are basically there to give them their drinks and to give them a little suck off, if you will. So uh, that's what Robert was saying. It was just like, yeah, all these underage boys, yeah, yeah, you were serving some cocktails, but you were also serving some cock as well. Yeah, that's uh, you know, uh, the podcast we listened to, they they were like scared to make jokes about this, and like, listen. It already happened. It is what it is. It man. is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I'm not shaming any. Well, if you're a pedophile, you should be shamed. Yeah, you, you should, should be, be fucking ashamed of yourself. But, yeah, yeah, shot in the fucking head. But at the same time, this is some real shit that fucking happened. We're not going to fucking dance around it. But I mean, I, I, try, I try to look at it a little bit more enlightened because like if I was 16 and there was a hot older woman, shit, I don't give a fuck if I'm 16 or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Diane Cannon's 85 years old. Dude, uh, Helen Keller. Helen Keller, Helen Mirren, Helen Mirren, Helen Mirren, the fucking uh, Westchester fucking lady and shit. Yeah, she's fucking hot. Yeah, if you, that's your that's your thing, man. I'm not gonna fucking uh, Helen Mirren is hot. If you say so, you man. don't think Helen Mirren is hot? Cher is hotter than Helen. No, Mirren. first of all, Cher like my boner would go inside of me if I ever heard her speak. Like if she was next to me <laughs> and we were going at it, and she just said one word, boner's gone. Share is uh, no absolutely. Everybody, not. go to the Facebook group and debate who is the hottest older lady. In it this. has to be Helen Mirren. Well, how, oh, can we, plus I, sixty, plus sixty, plus sixty. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's some people we're forgetting. I mean, Halle Berry's in her fifties. Uh, Jennifer, well, how old is Jennifer Lopez? In her fifties. I know. I know Mariah Carey. I just looked this up. She's in her mid fifties now too. Yeah. Yeah, she's still banging. But anyways, so yeah, it's Helen Mirren, bro. <laughs> 65 and up, 65 and up. I don't know, man. She just, she gives off too much grandma vibes, but, uh, um, <laughs> you're tripping, but no, like, this is insane. Okay. So like, again, not, not to like, you know, promote pedophilia, but you know what I mean? If these guys were willing participants, Hey, you know, whatever it's, it's obviously the views and opinions expressed by Jesus do not expect. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yes, that shit was going down. Yeah, under, that shit's a, crazy. A lot of underage sex was happening. Um, and it, like I said, a lot of men of prominence. Uh, the first man of prominence is a Mr. Stan Harper, uh, who was the campaign manager for a lot of, I guess, local Republican um, politicians. Uh, but the most prominent one that he was um, – a campaign manager for was the district attorney that would reign supreme for many decades, Mr. Ed Jagels. Ed fucking Jagels, the same man who did not reel in Stephen Towser, his number two, mm-hmm. did not stop him in any way from doing everything that Chris Hillis alleges he did. Correct. Uh, and having a knowing uh, underage relationship with yeah. a young man, um, again, but and he was the one that implemented this law and order uh, culture oh, of yeah. Kern County. He was, uh, yeah, he yeah. was the fucking man that came in, uh, the no nonsense DA that cleaned up Kern County, even though our crime rates are still unbelievably high. abysmal. Uh, but in 1979, a 19-year-old neighbor um, blackmailed Mr. Stan Harper for mm-hmm. fifteen thousand dollars, saying in a letter, "You're gay. I know it. I know your roommate ain't really your roommate. He's bisexual." And uh, if you don't cough up this fifteen thousand dollars, I'm gonna tell everything, everybody about your secret, as well as you know, put your, your roommate on blast, and you know, basically ruin your career. Because again, you got to realize this is a time frame where being a homosexual was very frowned upon, and all these men who were throwing these parties and whatnot, they were p- passing themselves off as just very eligible bachelors you know they would have the diane cannons come to their house as kind of a facade or whatever right just to be uh, like what's it called a beard 
Yeah, correct. Yes. To, just to make the appearance of like, oh, I'm just, I just like to play the field well into my 50s, but we're living it's Like these... George Clooney did. Uh, is he? <laughs> he's married. Well, he's married. That's what I'm saying, but he played the field until it was like 50s. Yeah, you're right, huh? And he married that model. She's a model. And she's like super smart. Yeah, she's like part of the UN and shit. Yeah, dude, yeah. she's fucking. I yeah. agree. We can agree on that. How about that? All right, cool. Um, but yeah, like that's how they pass themselves up because it was very taboo to be in a position of power and to also be homosexual. The way they worded some of the stuff they said about like men being gay, like, oh, it's a, they openly said, oh, it's a stigma. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, but this is back then. That's how they thought. Oh, it's a stigma or, um, I was trying to remember the wording they used for uh, Stan Harper specifically. They said something along the lines of like, um, you know, he's not a good Christian man if, if he's gay or something like that. Like along the lines of that, that's how they like insinuated. I was like, dude, what the fuck? Like they were like, yeah, you shouldn't be able to hold positions like that if you're gay. And that was the that's mindset. exactly how they were thinking. Like you shouldn't, if you're gay, you shouldn't be able, you shouldn't be a politician because mm -hmm. you're gay. Or you couldn't, yeah, you can't do anything. You can't be rational because you're gay or something like that. Yeah. Like that's how they, they, they worded it. It was and you gotta remember, so to read. I mean, Bakersfield Cringe. is still a very conservative town. But even more so, I mean, you're a conservative mm. and you're saying like, there's nothing necessarily wrong with being gay. Like if that's what you choose to be, <laughs> you that's- hear, You want to hear a funny story? Sure. I was at my friend's house talking about, because they thought this is, they thought I was assuming something gay. So I was at my friend's house and uh, their youngest son is two and he likes putting sh people's shoes on. You know, obviously I, I think every kid goes through that phase. Yeah. And she was like, he really likes shoes. I was like, yeah. And she was like, yeah. It's like- Think he's gonna be one of those people when he grows up, and she was like, "No, I don't think he's gonna be gay." I was like, "I didn't say anything about gay." <laughs> the people with two feet. About being gay, I just felt like dudes that are into feet. <laughs> you got like, a foot fetish, yeah. yeah. I know a couple of dudes. That's kind of fucking weird, like to be in the feet. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to slut shame anyone, but that's fucking weird. That is weird. That your feet be all up on the nasty shit, man. Yeah. I, I ain't trying to have that touch the cleanest part of my body. <laughs> I was just saying, but, but but again, to our point though, there was a that was a stigma here in Bakersfield. Yeah. Like you can't do anything. You can't be a manager of McDonald's even uh, if you're gay because oh you you're you're a freak basically. Uh, That's how they thought of them. And these men were living secret lives, unfortunately, but they were also pedophiles. That's the wrong thing. Here. Yeah. Don't cancel this podcast like you guys are trying to cancel Dave Chappelle. We're not fucking shaming homosexuals in their lives no, or even insinuating. I have so many homosexual friends. Yeah, we're not even insinuating that but, homosexuality. It, equals pedophilia no. that that is just something separate from this as well but no. these these men were also not only gay but also pedophiles as well no. um and unfortunately they were in positions of power but that anyways they, that they used yeah and so uh enter back into the story uh mr stephen towser actually prosecuted uh this case uh, with stan harper and his 19 year old neighbor uh and I guess the, the kid's name was Banducci. His last name was Banducci, which is the family that owns a uh, very, uh, very prominent uh, Luigi's. Luigi's. And they're big boosters for Garces, the yes. Banducci family is. And Stephen Towser prosecuted this case and prosecuted it hard. Now, uh, Towser, in our earlier story, was getting his boyfriend off or his underage boyfriend well, off. I mean, later chronolo chronologically, he was generous to people uh, for drug related 
theft and burglarization. And this guy, which you didn't, you didn't read the letter verbatim, but he literally says the word blackmail in the letter. Yeah. He's not the uh, sharpest tool in the shed. Correct. Uh, because I'm blackmailing you. I'm, he literally says I'm blackmailing you in the letter, mm-hmm. in the ransom note. Um, so I think what was the amount that he ended up uh, suing the family for? Uh, so anyways, uh, Towser actually prosecutes the case, gets Banducci in jail for two years for writing a letter, right? And then actually approves the settlement for $225,000. In the fucking, was that 70s, 80s? 79? 79. Yeah. So 215079 is probably at least 500K. Correct. And the community was kind of in an uproar because they're like, wait a minute. Stan Harper, again, the campaign manager for Ed Jagels, and there's this connection there with your number two. Why didn't you guys recuse yourself and have this case go to a different county where they would be non-biased? Of course he's going to throw the book at him. This is your boy. This is the boy you got elected. His office. This is your boss, his number two, like his his fucking dude, you know what I mean? His go-to guy. Yeah. So, of course, yeah. Like, why didn't you recuse yourself? So, there's a big uproar with that. Um, Robert Mistral actually said that he worked for Harper um, and lived with him and had a relationship, drove his car or whatnot, and actually said that, yeah, he would have men come through his house and he says up to 150 men, himself included. Robert, you know, didn't, you know, hide the fact that, you know, he was, he was throwing it around as well, but it had about 150 men, many of which were underage, come through Stan Harper's house. That's a big number. That's a lot. But here's the crazy part, because I think it was Stan Harper, right? No, it wasn't Stan Harper. It was someone else that they, they made fun of. But it was crazy, because these dudes, he's he's not in- excluded. A lot of these dudes, they would go to the fucking Greyhound mm-hmm. and find runaways. troubled youth. Yeah, runaways. And fucking be like, hey, come live with me. Mm-hmm. I'll take care of you. But you got to you gotta put out ass, grass, or Gas, what's it called? <laughs> Ass, gas, or grass. Nobody uh, rides for free. Exactly. That's 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 they really they took that shit serious back then. Mm. Um, yeah, it's crazy that they would just be like, that was it. Like, hey, I'm just gonna go. Like they're fucking picking up a pet at the fucking at the at the pet at smart. The, yeah, at the pound. I'm gonna pick up a runaway and just you know do what take I gotta do, and then put peanut butter on myself. Gotcha. There you gotcha. go. <laughs> With the road trip reference. <laughs> yeah, well, I know exactly where that was. I wasn't smoking that wacky tobacco on that movie. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, and then also, too, and then to bring back what we were talking about, uh, San Felipe Boys Home. Uh, mm-hmm. This is also where he said that, you know, yeah, they would go to the Greyhound bus. Uh, they would go to Beach Park. These were known, you know. Oh, they'd go to El Rancho. Yeah. El Rancho, yeah. Bakersfield, El Rancho. Um, but also, too, uh, what they would do, they would use their positions of power to go to the San Felipe boys home and say that, Hey, I want to hire these boys to work as waiters at my party or to do yard work on my house or to do, to, to, to build a, whatever, whatever. Build in my a fence. Yeah. Build a wall <laughs> <laughs> and, um, kind of kidnap them and trade them around. Kind of like, uh, trading cards, like legit. By definition, sex trafficking. Sex trafficking. These young boys, these troubled young youths from the San Felipe, which the Catholic Diocese of Fresno was fully aware about, aware turn, of. Turned a turned a blind eye. Turned a blind eye because it got these these kids out of their hair. Because again, they were wild 
fucking troubled and youth. And these dudes were all rich. Like, fucking, I think Stan Harper was a millionaire, right? Oh, pfft, yeah. They look like, a lot of these guys, they actually listed them as millionaires in the article. Like, oh, okay, yeah, we didn't, cool, cool flex. Um, but yeah, you're dead, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> you can't take that shit to the afterlife. Uh, one guy who couldn't take it to the afterlife was uh, former Kern County personal director, Ed Buck. Uh, Ed Buck met Mr. Bobby Rumistrio at Beach Park when he was 15 years old. Um, Ed Buck had uh, met him, I believe it was in the bathroom, kind of like George Michael style. <laughs> I guess like that. that's just like the way you... about Mary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I guess like he invited him over to his house to have dinner. Um, I guess uh, he kind of pressured Mr. Mistrial to have sex with him. Now, Mr. Mistrial, again, had had sex with, he said, admittedly, 150 men. He started um, prostituting, you know, here as well as in L.A. at 11 years old. Uh, but for him to turn down sex uh, from Mr. Ed Buck after a nice, you know, chicken dinner, another Anchorman reference, uh, um, says something. Seafood dinner. Yeah, some steak and lobster. Oh, he says seafood dinner in Anchorman. That was a nice chicken dinner. It's a nice seafood dinner and never call her again. Oh, that's when he's talking about the mom. But yeah. when he's talking about Vanessa Corningstone, uh, he's just like, I want or uh, a nice chicken dinner, maybe uh, some sex. Um, okay, yeah, now I'm talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, invites him over to his house to have dinner, uh, refuses sex with him, and but he says he does steal some money as well as tools uh, from his house. Uh, now Ed Buck says, or now Ed Buck, furious you know that this happened he not only he's got blue balls but he's also missing some uh, money and tools uh his head trimmers or whatever his manscape or whatever i don't know um his again attempts to bushwhacker <laughs> his bushwhacker <laughs> attempts to blackmail mr mistrial by saying that um you know he's gonna you know rat him out to the authorities um if he doesn't enter into what's called a tryst and i had to look up this term i didn't know it what mean, it was it means a lover's uh meeting yes correct and um i read an article where it went into further detail with well, robert mistral his sex tape he wanted him to record a sex tape well ed buck wanted to record bobby mistral and some other young man young man specific young younger very young man and bobby mistral he wanted to record them on video camera because it was the new thing back then mm-hmm uh, personal video cameras. He wanted to record them having sex. Correct. And I realize, I mean, for all anybody sen- like a sensitive listener, like this is a lot of fucked up shit to take in. It's yeah. just like for, I believe he's 15 years old at this time. 17. Oh, 17. He met him at 15. They were acquaintances for two years. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, If you put yourself in his position, right? Like you're you're being passed around basically from, you know, the Bakersfield, California editor to like fucking campaign manager for Ed Jagels or whatever. You kind of like are probably up to here with like being used cuz he says he leaves all these people's places because he's starting to feel sexually just used or whatever, right? And Robert Mistral had like a horrible background, you know, parents or shitholes or whatnot. Mom's an alcoholic. Yeah. She actually pressured him into prostitution. Correct. And it's just like, you got to think at a certain point, like there's a breaking point or whatever, right? And this is where like I feel bad for him because you can tell like when you're reading these articles where he's talking about this stuff, where he's just like, man, like it's a fucked up position. Not only are you using me, but you're also using me to be in a tryst with another individual on tape, an underage sex thing. Like he was just like, I'm not with this. So, uh, Robert Mistrial, 
Um, if you guys can imagine how uncomfortable you feel being videotaped, just think about that. Like some just random dude starts videotaping. You're just like, dude, what are you doing? Stop, stop recording me. Yeah. You imagine how uncomfortable you are doing that. That's what, imagine that times a hundred. Correct. And you're That's only 17, 17 years old. 17 years old by some old dude. Some dirty old man. With old balls. Yeah. Probably mm-hmm. smells like formaldehyde. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Robert Mistrio contacts a friend, 18-year-old Roy Kamish. I don't know if I'm Kamenish. saying. Kamenish. Uh, coming in, yeah, <laughs> uh, to come, uh, kind of come up with uh, a murder plot, if you will. Uh, so Robert uh, agrees to uh, this blackmail tryst or whatever, uh, but says before we do this, like, hey, like let's let's actually take a ride up to Lake Isabella, and so he goes, I'll pick you up, I'll take you there and whatnot, and we'll have some fun underneath the stars. Um, but they take the long way. And unbeknownst to Ed Buck, Roy Kemenish is following him closely behind without the headlights on. So uh, once they get out into the middle of nowhere, now you Google map, you know, the long way to get to, I believe it's Glenville Road. Mm-hmm. It is to get to Northchester. You take Northchester and then right now it's just literally nothing but oil derricks. Yeah. it's you go, oh, if the, if the road's still there. But yeah, you go up Chester enough and it's just oil derricks everywhere yeah. as far as your eyes can see. And then you take a right to Glenville Road. Yeah, and then if once you take that right, it's almost complete darkness, right? Yeah. And so Not now you'll see the black, the <laughs> the light, the, yeah. the light, the blinking lights of each air, uh, oil derrick. It's it's actually quite beautiful at night. Yeah, you get to see them all. But back in the day, I mean, they might have still been there. There might have been derricks out there, but not as many as there is now. Oh, there's probably derricks. They just probably didn't have those fancy LED lightings. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there's no the Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer fucking Christmas lights on that shit. <laughs> uh, but the whole point is, is it's in the middle of nowhere, the middle of the darkness and whatnot, and kind of like uh, it reminded me of um, the Zodiac Killer, how he would kill people. Oh yeah, cut him off. Now Robert says he jumps out of the car and jumps into the passenger seat, and Roy commits, I guess, high on LSD and you know some. Uh, uh, fucking, you know, homegrown Bakersfield fucking methamphetamine starts bludgeoning uh, Mr. Ed Buck to death. With? The hammer. And? A knife. Knife that was used as well to Just kill. Just like Tommy Tarver. Correct. I actually have a story about Tommy Tarver. I'm pretty sure I played basketball with his, um, I'm sort of relative, Tony, Tony Tarver. He was the uh, mayor of Arvin. Oh, wow. And I used to play basketball with him when I coached at uh, Fairfax. Some He's, information you will not get from any other <laughs> podcast. <laughs> you will not get this. Yeah, he has a brother named Tommy uh, Tony Tarver. Nice dude. Dude had um, daughters. I think he had triplets. Mm. They were playing uh, high school basketball for Arvin. Holy shit. Yeah, they were good. They would practice at our gym sometimes. That's how I knew him. Okay. He would be out there in fucking dress shoes, draining them from threes. Goddamn. Yeah, it's impressive. Like I wonder his, his daughters were ballers because he was fucking, <laughs> at some point in time, probably still is a baller, but yeah. I'd shoot around with them, play little pickup games every now and then. But yeah, he was a cool ass fucking dude. Dope. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> Roy Kamish, uh, you know, bludgeons Ed Buck to death, and um, they attempt to bury him out there, which seems like a, I mean, a sound idea. Like it's in the middle of nowhere. It's the seventies. They don't have all this like fancy CSI fucking technology and shit. Uh, but the ground was too hard. So what they do is they stuff him in the back of his trunk, drive his body back to his house rob the place which is kind of a that kind of fucks you up right there robs the place and sets the whole house on fire now you look at where his house was it was um in like a gated community that has its own lake yeah do you know you know what places it is yeah right there off plants i've never known anyone that lived there 
Oh, I have. I drove by it the other day, and I was like, "Damn, that's crazy!" Like I've, I've always, I've only driven through there once in my life, mm-hmm. and I've never known anyone to live there. But I looked it up on Google's map, and it's only like fucking twenty six houses or some shit like that. Oh yeah, and it's all sur- and all every single house is backyard is this like personal lake or whatever shit you 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 didn't think would be in Bakersfield. Uh, but you got to think in the early 80s, you think all those rich people don't have like security devices. Hmm. So they set the house on fire with Ed Buck in the trunk, his body chars or whatnot. And uh, obviously all these rich ass neighbors, they have all this security footage. They catch them on, you know, whatever prime, prime, primal Black fucking and white fucking CCTV and shit. Kodak fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuji film fucking yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they catch him though, and, yeah. and it's a stupid move on their part. Uh, but they both get convicted of um, the murder. Well, actually, uh, Roy pleads out. He pleads out. Uh, he pleads uh, guilty, and they still give him life. They gave him life. I think they removed uh, the death penalty. I think that's what mm-hmm. he pled out to. Yeah, and uh, Bobby actually fights it, loses, yep. gets convicted, and I think he's convicted. What thirty five to life? Uh, Thirty one years with a possibility of parole. Yeah. But the interesting thing about this is, is um, not that, you know, they get convicted or whatever, but he's still a minor. He's 17 when this happens. And they try him as a fucking adult. Yes. And the sad thing is, and again, I'm not condoning anything that they did. Like, that's fucking wrong. You you shouldn't murder anybody. You shouldn't stuff them in a trunk and light them on fire inside the house or whatever. That's fucking horrible. I mean, if you're going to do it to anyone, a child molester is a pretty good person to do it to. (laughs) Right? I mean... I guess if it's anybody, yeah. I I mean, at that point... It's Hitler, child molesters. Like, you kill them. That's true. But you're still going to fucking do some hard time and fucking Corcoran and shit, right? But the fucked up thing is about this story is during the trial, it comes out that Robert Mistrial's... uh, youth probation officer, uh, Sally Rockholt, he had told her about all of these indiscretions. Again, 150 men that were passing him around like a fucking Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. You know, he was, you know, all these indiscretions with these parties, Beach Park, uh, Greyhound, uh, the San Felipe uh, Boys Home. El Rancho. El Rancho. All these things he was telling his probation officer and did she report this? And she, mind you, she's legally required, required to do so. Yeah. And she's on stand, on the stand, and she's asked to confirm or deny this, and she confirms this. So this isn't conspiracy. This isn't fucking Alex Jones shit. She was. He told her. She admitted that he told her under oath, and he, she still didn't report him. No. And to this day, none of these individuals. Yes, mind you, like you said, uh, Fritz. He dies in 1997 of AIDS. Uh, you know, many of these individuals like Steven Towser, you know, gets killed uh, by, you know, uh, Chris Hillis, mm-hmm. uh, the dad, um, obviously Ed Buck's dead or whatever. But there's many more stories out there and nobody has been convicted or even investigated for any of these indiscretions or let's just call it what it is. The fucking crimes, these sex trafficking crimes, Yeah, this is sex, sex trafficking in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Um very similar to what we're seeing to present day. Correct. You know I and mean? present dates, it's, uh, you know, we have task force and DEA and, uh, you know, ATF and all sorts of things working against this. And back then, uh, they had one young man tell them everything they needed to know. And nobody did anything about it. All because they were a part, all a part of this secret society. They were all watching out for each other. Uh, one of the uh, ACLU attorneys described it as a, a good old boys club, but gay. Yeah. That's how exactly how he described it. I said, wow, well, yeah. That, that, pretty much what it is. Yeah. It's a good old boys club. And, 
it's weird because we've we've not you and I, but this podcast we've covered Pizzagate, right? Where it gets put on that you know Hillary Clinton. We joke about it, right? And the Democrats, they're they're they have all these secret sex dungeons under pizza fucking restaurants and shit and that Obama, you know, he's having people, you know, flown in from Chicago and they're using code words like hot dog and pizza or whatever. Mind you, there's no proof of this, but little conservative Bakersfield has this story as well as the former speaker of the house. I forget his name. I want to call him horn hatch, but I know that's wrong. But uh, the former speaker of the house under Clinton, who was the Republican opponent for him um, before Newt Gingrich, he was actually convicted of, you know, sex with a minor um, as well. And it's weird because it's just like in this we talked about on the Patreon where it's just like the media, whether you're talking about Fox News or CNN or whatever, they want to paint a picture that, oh, no, the bad guys are only in this party. But when you think about it, it's all the way around. People are fucking heinous and fucking evil. And when you give them a little bit of power, <laughs> they become even more heinous and more evil. Correct. And. It's crazy to think that in 2021, November, fucking what is it? Fucking 21st or whatever. That fucking we're just now starting to see something come of it. Like you said at the beginning of the episode, uh, Robert Mistrio currently has a lawsuit against the county of Kern, the city of Bakersfield, as well as Catholic Charities and the probation department, probation department why they did not prosecute or investigate any of these um, these allegations. And he spoke a little bit, not as much as he did the, when he was 17, but he spoke up at 13. Mm-hmm. He, met, he, he said he was at 13 when he got investigated for the Tommy Tarver murder that he was already being pretty much trafficked around mm-hmm. uh, Bakersfield by some prominent people. Yep. So he already had mentioned it. Why this kid isn't in CPS? Like, why isn't he in the system? He, he sat, he's 13. Why is he on the streets? Mm-hmm. He should be in a home, a, a real home. Okay. Mm-hmm. But no. Yeah. And um, I know you mentioned earlier, like, the consent or whatever. If there was a hot older lady or whatever. Yeah. But it goes back to that thing, like, that position of power yeah. where it's just like with Towser, like, oh, you want drugs? I can get you those drugs and all the consequences. I can make those disappear kind of thing. And it's it's one of those sad instances where it's just like, yeah, like if I'm 16, there's a hot fucking high school teacher or whatever, or whatever. Like she's still taking advantage of me. Absolutely. You know, you know um, I mean, it's her job to say to, to not allow it to happen. To I be mean, the adult in that yeah, situation. You're the adult in situation, you know, wait until they're 18 in a day. <laughs> <laughs> or wait till they graduate. 18 years, years old and in one day. Yeah. But it's a sad fucking stain that we have on this society and then when you talk to somebody or you talk to a lot of people i think la times did an article on this as well and um they did a good job of like having like discussion back and forth like well why are we going to take robert mistrial's um word for it even the pot the other podcast that covered this topic like well are we sure that robert mistrial is telling the complete truth because it seems convenient that he's the only person to come out about this And that all the people just happen to be the people that, you know, are arresting him or, you know, you know, uh, charging him with these crimes. But when you, like I said, with the L.A. Times article, you know, there's people 
They were like, no, yo, I grew up in that area in the 70s and 80s, and there's much more stories out there. It's just that we're afraid to come out against it because we don't want to have the backlash that comes with it. It's like Mystic River. Remember Mystic River? Exactly, yes. And the fucked up thing about it is, is there was a lot of backlash for this. In the 80s, Ed Jagels, and this is not conspiracy, this is proven, Ed Jagels, there was a big witch hunt that, you know, uh, they were trying to find daycares that were doing satanics, you know, sex practices with, you know, children or whatnot, falsely convicted. I believe it was like something like 30 or 40 uh, parents for because they because due to the Lords of Bakersfield thing that like, oh, they were going to come out with some information about the Lords of Bakersfield, but we're going to turn this around on you and make you guys the pedophiles and the Satanists here. And the fucked up thing about that is, is every single one of those cases as of today, except for one, have all been overturned and the city has had to pay out hundreds of millions of dollars due to his false convictions of these people. You son of a bitch. Yeah. That's why Hart Park looks like shit like right now. Yeah. Fucking, we're going broke. Paying all <laughs> these fucking settlements out. Yep. Because all these goddamn child molesters. God damn it. Yeah. But we uh, could go on all day. I don't yeah, know if you could, have anything. I got just the Stan Harper. Or not Stan Harper. Uh, Marshall Jacobson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go into yeah, that one. Marshall Jacobson. Uh, Marshall Jacobson was a local... Um, politician he actually uh, well aspirations as a politician mm-hmm. um but uh right around the same time that uh bobby mistral was on trial um he was trying to create a commission a Kern county commission so he could um uh which he would be actually he's trying to create a position that he wanted to be where they kind of was like oversight over everything correct and it was supposed to be like a two-year position so he would have temporary control stuff like that um, he was, uh, a homosexual man as well. And he went down to the Greyhound one day, picked up a kid, took him to his house, said, you can stay here. I'll feed you. Uh, well, uh, you can roll you back into school at the adult school and, uh, give you a little walk around money, but we got to have sex. And, uh, the man himself, Randy Ray Backen, uh, Agreed, I guess, at the time, but later on, I, uh, it kind of festered with him because he did not like it. You know, he uh, mm-hmm. he eventually uh, kind of started rebelling against Jacobson. Um, so Jacobson eventually kicks him out of the house. So let's get the fuck out of here then. Kick rocks, dude. And uh, Randy Backen and a neighbor were talking. I didn't write the kid's name down, but the kid was like 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Randy was 19 at the time. And he's telling them, you know, well, we should just go in there fuck him up like you know what I mean? let's just go in there fuck that guy and he goes okay and he goes and he's like the kid's like thinking he's kidding gives him a knife it's like all right go do it with this he goes okay knocks on the door jacobson closes the door on him he goes around jumps the fence knocks on the uh, tries to get into the sliding door jacobson confronts him he says something he kind of like almost like seductively tells him well you know what let's go to the room so they start walking to the room and in the hallway he turns around and stabs him in the gut 10 to 11 times with the knife leaves him there uh obviously they get arrested for it the kid the kid kind of i feel bad for a 14 year old because if he's telling the truth his life was ruined Mm -hmm. um he got like three years and uh i'm pretty sure randy back and got life right yeah he got life the kid got like uh he got like six years in ya 
and he ended up failing. No, actually, no. They get like really reduced sentences because they. Oh yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. No, wait, that's not the reduced sentence one. The reduced sentence one is uh, Biggs and, and Tyak. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So uh, they they end up going uh, life for back in, and then the kid, the 14 year old kid, he ends up getting like six years in YA, <laughs> but unfortunately. Like after he got out, he fa- he failed his probation to send him back for another two years. He completed his sentence at twenty five. Mm. Twenty five. He was fourteen when, when this shit went down, and all he did was give the kid a knife. Yeah, that uh, kind of goes down that same like we were talking about. Like I said, there's so many stories we could tell, but like in a vacuum, just to kind of like condense all this, because all these stories could be their own like two hour episodes, if yeah. you will, because we're shotgunning a lot of fucking facts and figures, uh, but. A special commission was created because uh, of uh, because of this shit that was happening. Where like, okay, these people that were um, killing gay men during the same time period were getting less sentences than like we were talking about earlier. You know, you come on vacation, leave on probation. If you get caught speeding, you're doing three years in jail. Uh, but if you kill a gay man, you're getting a, a light slap on the wrist. Kind the of thing. one that was like really egregious to me was William Robert Tyak. Mm-hmm. He shot two gay unarmed neighbors over a dispute, right? He got one count of manslaughter, of invo- involuntary manslaughter. One count, not not two counts. He shot two people. Mm-hmm. So they're not even saying that they're a whole person. Yeah, they're yeah. half. Yeah, that, that was like, I was like, wow, you guys are fucking assholes. Not even two counts. Like, I mean, you're already knocking it down to involuntary manslaughter, which is incorrect because he shot him. That was a decision. Mm-hmm. Involuntary means it was an accident. So when you shoot a guy, you don't accidentally shoot two guys. Yeah. <laughs> you have an <laughs> argument if there's one. Yeah. You, oh, yeah, gun went off in my hand. Maybe. Yeah. I don't believe you. Boom, boom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, you shot two men. That was a conscious decision. That is not involuntary manslaughter. That wouldn't even, I wouldn't even consider that voluntary. That's murder one. Mm-hmm. But no, they gave him one uh, count of involuntary manslaughter. He served like three years. Uh, and then there was another egregious one where John Orrin Biggs murdered uh, Noah Renfro. Uh, Orrin Biggs was 18, Renfro was 50, and he fucking stabbed him. Uh, or he beat him in the head like 50 times because he put the moves on him. And uh, he got seven years and only served three and a half. Mm-hmm. And it was considered voluntary manslaughter. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. And that's stuff like that, that's why they uh, commissioned uh, the civil rights or the county civil rights commission throughout the entire state. Mm-hmm. So, all because of us. All because of us. <laughs> we were so bad that the state was like, you know what? All of y'all go into detention. Yep. Everyone. <laughs> Everyone's after school. PE is canceled. canceled. We're going home. We're turning this bus around. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? Yeah. We're not going to free delay for the field trip. <laughs> Um, I never got to do that. Oh, that sucks, bro. Dude, that sounds so great. The whole bag of chips. You know, I kind of remember my older brothers and sisters talking about, or my older brother and sisters telling me about that. Like, they went on it, but I never got to go on it. I was probably in trouble. Probably. I was in trouble a lot. Jagles was the fucking DA, and he kept you back. He was my vice principal. No, my vice principal at my elementary school hated me. Yeah. Well, I was always in trouble, but I had straight A's, so he could kiss my ass. So... In a nutshell, this is the Lords of Bakersfield. Um, prominent men with a secret, and not just any secret. They were uh, pedophiles who were abusing young men and using their positions of power uh, to pretty much get off scot-free, but then at the same time concurrently 
fucking throwing people in jail for egregious amounts of time or if those the victims were gay getting them off lightly mm. and that is not a not not a fucking Alex Jones conspiracy but a true to life true crime conspiracy i wonder why they let the uh the gay mur- the murderers of gay people not the gay murderers yeah uh the murderers of gay of gay people i wonder why they gave them light sentences wouldn't that like be like oh you killed my tribe so i'm gonna fucking throw the book at you i, I think it's like one of those things it's like a self-hate kind of thing uh, where you, or like sweeping under the rug type shit like oh, oh yeah well, i can't be this I, i'm not if gay. i give him maximum time i might make the news and everyone's yeah. gonna be like oh what the fuck why does he hate gays and then look into it and it turns out he doesn't hate gays. He kind of reminds me of like those televangelists that talk all that shit about gay people, and then it turns out like, oh shit, he was actually gay. He gets yeah. busted or whatever, right? I for, I got it. We got to do an episode on that. But um, yeah, it, it's to me it just screams like self hate. And it, again, it's at that time frame, uh, in not only our county but in this country where it's just like it was very frowned upon, you know, to be a homosexual, to be a homosexual man in I a mean, position Freddie of power. I mean, Freddie Mercury was still hiding it back then. Yeah, right. Freddie Even, Mer- and, and that guy was clearly gay yeah um and that guy he was hiding it he had a elton john elton john right yeah liberace too even yeah prince hadn't came out as bisexual yet oh uh, did he come out as bisexual <laughs> i mean he, he i mean if he was i mean it wouldn't 80s. surprise me but it's the 80s yeah but um yeah it was, it was a it was that weird time where you know it was very frowned upon to be like that if you weren't you know christian white straight you were basically the devil yeah mm. And that's kind of like the opposite now, because if you're Christian, white, and straight, and openly about it, you're the devil in the media. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that said, Asus, uh, do you got anything else you want to add to this topic? No, I, I think um, I, I didn't know any of this before. Crazy, the right? Research. No, I I heard the the Lords of Bakersfield, and I heard it was conspiracy, like murders. I did not know that there was a gay undertone to it. Mm-hmm. That was a shocker. And then all the the landmarks. I'm just like, dude, I know exactly where that's at. Yeah, and a couple of them are just right uh, walking distance from this house right now. Dude, man, like fucking uh, uh, Jacobson's house is like a block away from my friend's house. I I was just at last weekend. I'm reading that, and I'm like, where's that at? Oh, that's right by Olive Garden. Hey, I was just there. (laughs) (laughs) This is all out in the open. Dude, I know. Yeah, all all these landmarks that they mention. I know them all. Like I've seen them all. I've been there. Every single one of them. It's and crazy. some of them are like no shit. Like Ethel's. Like my dad used to tell me that all the time. I can't believe we like that's not like a story that like Highlands haunted or some shit like that because mm-hmm. Dana Dana Butler got murdered. You know. Yeah. Like I can't believe I haven't heard that. Yeah. But it was just like uh, when we covered Sona Sam and I was like, I can't believe that. Uh, was it Riverside Community College? Mm-hmm. He beheaded her on campus and mm-hmm. like no one like no one even talks about that. I'm like dude, that's crazy. Like mm-hmm. I would think it's haunted. Yeah. But, hey, maybe the ghost went away peacefully. Who knows, man? Uh, or maybe they're just chilling in the fucking computer lab or maybe something. Maybe they're arts and they don't believe in, in uh, ghosts. Yeah, fucking idiot. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> With that said, hey, Seuss, thank you so much for coming on this week no and problem. doing this. And doing research, man. You know how good it feels to fucking be able to say uh, something and then have the person across from you fucking uh, be able to reciprocate a little bit instead of saying, like, they sure did kidding but anyways with that said uh go ahead and shout out your podcast which is celebrating their it's one, one year, year anniversary. anniversary the very next episode we're going to record is the one year anniversary of the words are hard podcast um i don't know if chad will be on there i know for sure jordan will be on that episode we're not sure what we're covering it uh we were supposed to do a blind topic but i think we're going to abandon that or you know add it back to the list 
And uh, I don't know. Maybe do uh, do drunk stories again, or I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. But whatever it is, guys, I want the millions and millions to go check that out. Do the Lord's work, if you will, and check that out. Give it a proper listen, yeah, if you will. Follow our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Words Are Hard Podcast. No one needed at the end because <laughs> I was there first. <laughs> not first, your last, Jacob. Oh, shit. So, Words Are Hard Podcast on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. And then, uh, obviously, we're available everywhere Jacob's available because he's the one who showed me how to do everything. You're welcome. Uh, So with that said, everybody, if you want to follow my podcast, you should already be doing that if you're listening. But, guys, head on over to the social medias at Art and Jacob Do America. Except for Twitter, we are at Art and Jacob Do A1. Because I'm sorry, that's just how a steak is done. Loser. If a steak's done right, you don't need A1. I agree with that, but, you know, for the purpose of making this funny, yeah, fucking steaks. Then. Anyways. Steaks you, ho- it would be nice to be sponsored by a steak house, steak sauce, though. Hell yeah. Fucking have Dude, I use it as a, a marinade sometimes. Uh, like, I Ziploc everything up, and then I'll pour, like, you know, my, my seasoning, and then every now, like, obviously, what Trisha sauce, too. Mm-hmm. And then just every now, a little bit of A1, just to, like, give it a little and bit. And some Alicateco? Some Teco. Yes. And we're a little sp- bit, though, because it's fucking <laughs> hot. <laughs> by the way, do you have anything that's not hot here? Yeah, I probably got some in the cabinet. Right. I still got some of that shit in there, but... Uh, if you guys, if you guys want to sponsor, or not sponsors, if you if you want to sponsor us, get sure. at us or whatever. But if you want to help us in any way, which which way so ever, I highly advise going to the Patreon. Now, I highly advise going to the Patreon because every single week week we put together another fire ass exclusive Patreon only episode for all of you guys that are patrons. Uh, Jesus can attest this week we put together yet another banger. Yeah, man, your uh, your dirty hairy story was really good. Yeah, as well as your ghost story. Yeah. I never heard that ghost story. I kind of swore. I've I've told it before on here, but maybe I didn't. Not on these microphones, but yeah. So if you want to hear those, head on over to patreon.com slash America. Sign up. Uh, Like I say, $1 is good enough. You you can be a superstar like Nicole Smith-Bosch or fucking Alejandra and donate those $50. Your your boy Chewy, uh, Jesus Gutierrez, He's he's in the ten dollar club. So I heard, I heard. I'm gonna bake him some fucking cookies for Christmas or something for being for doing the actual Lord's work there, being just like uh, the man he was named after, uh, Jesus Herbert Christ. Uh, uh, And if you want to sponsor us any other way or help us out any other way, head on over to artandjacobdoamerica.com. Follow the merch links where Art has set up links for our T Public store where you can buy a T-shirt. I believe. Three quarters of those designs are designed by the great and powerful Nicole Smith Bosch. So head on over there. Uh, it doesn't necessarily help us monetarily. We probably get twenty-five cents or a dollar, <laughs> or pff, fucking twelve cents in this economy. Um, so it's more or less like a billboard, you know, to get the good word out, good workout. So if you're at Beach Park, you know, you know, cruising for uh, for some loving on a Friday night or something if you're like at that. The El Rancho, or if you're at the El Rancho, it which doesn't you know, exi- yeah, it doesn't, doesn't exist. exist no more. <laughs> it's like level there's nothing there yeah or you can go to fucking uh ethel's it's still standing ethel's there. there they do line dancing on sundays i've been told i haven't gone or just uh have music on sundays or go underneath uh the indian that's doing the white power salute mm-hmm. take a picture tag <laughs> tag us tag them <laughs> <laughs> we're not saying white but we're, we're for white power there's one and a half mexicans sitting at this table but anyways Head on over there to support us that way. Uh, head on over to the Podbelly Network, where if you like this podcast and want to hear other great podcasts, uh, head on over there, uh, where you'll hear the great and powerful Sofa King podcast. Shout out, Brent. That's the homeboy right there. That is uh, the fucking godfather of this Dude, uh, every time podcast I have game. questions about whiskey, 
just right in back right away. But Hell yeah, he's he's super he's, fast on that. Yeah, he's on it. Yeah, so shout out to them as well as my homeboy Eddie at the RRBG podcast where every single week uh, he interviews somebody of Huge. high prominence. Dude, man, when I see like some of the people he's interviewed, I'm like, dude, how the tell me, show me your ways on how you're getting these dudes. Because I'm going to turn around and do the same thing, but with UFC guys. But like, <laughs> no, you know what? I was actually, I was talking to a UFC fighter the other day on Instagram. So mm. I might have her on soon. Sweet. Um, but she has a fight coming up, so I kind of don't want to press her too much. Yeah, maybe afterwards. Yeah, but uh, she just, well, she just signed her contract, so maybe she'll have time. But yeah, I was talking to a UFC fighter the other day on Instagram, and so I might have her on. She's uh Tell her our Mark Hunt story where Mark Hunt takes a <laughs> <took> shit. A shit. <laughs> The video you can see him like rolling the toilet paper up and wiping. <laughs> that will live in infamy forever and ever. Uh, that, Amen. Oh man. Yeah, yeah and if you want to see that, head on over to our YouTube page. Yeah. yeah, it's up there. You guys, yeah, yeah. YouTube, uh, Mark Hunt taking a shit. Yeah. <laughs> if you're into that stuff. And then uh, share it maybe and hashtag Mark Mark Hunt taking a shit. Yeah. Let's let, let's get that going. Let's get that hashtag going. <laughs> Ariel Hawani, let's make this shit go viral. But anyways, guys, again, thank you once again for coming on, for filling in for the Brown Recluse. But with that said, everybody, goodbye and good night. This building on B Street is an attorney's office now, but in the 1980s, it was the San Felipe Boys Home, a place for teens who had run afoul of the law and needed some guidance and some support. And one of the tenants... Robert Mistriel. Mistriel, who had worked as a gay prostitute from the age of 11, perhaps never had a chance. That's what the parole board intimated when he was released from prison last year after serving 38 years for the murder of a man, a Kern County department head, almost three times his age. Now Mistriel says he wants justice or something approximating justice. Los Angeles attorney Samuel Derulian filed the claim on Mistriel's behalf that alleges the county knew about the succession of men, including Kern County's personnel director, Ed Buck, who were routinely engaging in sex with minors, and specifically with Mistriel. One of the places these men found boys to abuse, right here at the San Felipe Boys Home. Mistriel and another man, Roy Matthew Kamenich, were convicted of murdering Buck in 1983. At Mistriel's sixth parole hearing, the parole board seems for the first time to have grasped what Mistriel's life must have been like. The parole commissioner uh, finally acknowledged that that uh, I was in fact uh, the victim of childhood trafficking and under those circumstances kind of understood what I did though didn't condone it and you know still chastised me for being a bad person but you know recognized the situation I was up against and the age that I was when I decided to commit a murder. In the claim, Mistriel says his county probation officer failed to protect him after he told her about the alleged abuse by Buck and others. Probation officer Sally Rockholt, now retired, testified in 1983 that Mistriel, then 17, had in fact informed her of the alleged abuse by the county executive. The county rejected Mistriel's claim, according to his attorney, who says he can file an actual lawsuit against the county six months from the date of the claim, September 30th, and intends to do so. It's a long time coming for him uh, to get some form of justice. He's not going to get the kind of justice that he wants to put these people away, but this is the second best. Now we wait until the calendar says Mistriel can move ahead with his lawsuit, sought after damages not disclosed at this time. And the litigation sets in motion allegations that one county employee abused a vulnerable, 
compromised teenage boy and another employee failed to act on that knowledge. In Bakersfield, Robert Price, 17 News.